This is Lifelinks with a DL link. Wow, 12 o'clock on the dot. Good afternoon. How are you doing? How has your week been? How were you feeling when you woke up this morning? And how are you feeling right now? Well, I hope you relaxed. I am, and I'm certainly looking very forward to spending the next hour with you. My name is Nikki Seberini, and this is the DL Link Show on 101.9 High FM. On this show, we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. And we bring you lots of information on the show and so many wonderful stories, and it's all around cancer. And um, we work very hard to bring you the type of experts that we do have on the show. And I always say that, you know, we'd love to hear your story, your experience. Perhaps you've come across um, a particular treatment that you'd like to discuss. Please do give us a call. Um, we'd love to hear from you um, and we'd love to include you on the DL Link show. You can always SMS me now um, while I'm in the studio. The SMS line is the number is 34519. That's 34519. So, wow, 26th of October. I don't know where October it just seems to have flown by very, very fast. And, of course, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So we're continuing with the theme of breast cancer. I'm looking so forward to introducing our warrior in just a couple of minutes' time, Monique Fleming. Um, she's a real entrepreneur, um, and she's just doing incredible things. And then a shock diagnosis just a couple of months ago. So she's going to be sharing her story with us. I'm then going to be chatting with Dr. Liana Root. Um, she's a plastic surgeon at the Grootescuur Hospital. She has a passion, and her passion is be able to being able to make breast surgery available to those who are battling breast cancer and who cannot afford it, which is just phenomenal. You know, again, we we just have contact with people who just go beyond. All the time, and it's so inspiring. It's something definitely to to try and aim towards. And then another doctor, Dr. Peter Shope, he's the from the Radiological Society of South Africa and its subspeciality group, the Breast Imaging Society of SA. If you have any questions around mammograms, if you have any questions around thermography and ultrasounds, um, a little bit later in the show, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Shope. So, as I said, the SMS lines are open three four five one nine, or you can. And phone us directly on 074-654-7335 if you have any questions around that. But now it's time for me to welcome our wonderful warrior, um, and her name is Monique Fleming, owner of Bonafide Beards. Monique, Good welcome. Good morning. How how are you? I'm I'm okay today. I'm taking a little bit of strain, but on the whole, um happy to be alive. It's a beautiful day, and what more can you ask for? Well, I love your attitude. Um, <laughs> for, for our listeners, you know, two days ago, you started your first chemo treatment. Uh, actually, it was last week Friday. So last week Friday. Yes, yes. And yes. and you're feeling it? Is it? Does it hit you immediately, <gasps> Monique? Is it like? Does it hit you there and then? No, I mean, I, I was actually lulled into a very false sense of, um, oh my gosh, this was going to be quite breezy. Oh, really? Uh, you know, I was sitting there watching everything kind of flow into my system and, um, 
got home and I was like, oh, this is great. I had lunch. I felt wonderful. Um, but it was very short-lived. And, you know, not having had experienced chemo before, it, it came as, as quite a shock to my system and to my soul, really. Mm. Uh, you know, you and I'm a very independent, strong woman. I like to do things for myself. And then to kind of just let go of that control and that power and surrender to the situation you're in and to become vulnerable and accept help from people who love you and support you and who are around you, you know. Let me ask you this. What is it like surrendering? What, how, and how are you feeling about it? Uh, For me personally, it's a very fulfilling experience. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. I'm I'm a control freak by nature. But um, through this journey and this process, I have learned to let go. You know, in the journey of life, there are some things you can change and there are other things you cannot. And it's it's the willingness to to find the difference, Mm -hmm. know the difference, Mm -hmm. and, and finding the courage to let go of the things you can't change. So who so who are you allowing to look after you, Monica? I mean, you've just had the chemo. You're feeling awful. Normally, you would be the one running around and doing things. Correct. Have you had the conversation? Have you said I'm handing it over? Have you, you know, your husband has he said this, and I'm going to try and do X, Y, and Z, or is it just something you've made up in your mind, really? Because well, I think so it, many women can relate to how you're feeling right now. It's a little bit of both, you know. Um, Fortunately for me, I have the most incredible husband. I have the most phenomenal mother who's, who's literally moved her whole life here for me, uh, for the time that I've had chemotherapy. I have phenomenal friends and it's just a matter of going, I cannot do this. Please can you, please mm. can you hold me? Please can you, please mm. can you? It's, it's, and the peace in that, like you hold on because you don't want to not that's be in it. control. And when you do the peace that flows with that, that's it. Mm. That's it. So you're talking sense of serenity in, yeah. in, in handing it over. Yeah. Mm. I must say so many of the warriors talk about, you know, when you do hand it over and you allow this incredible support system to hold you and support you. It's a wonderful mm. learning. It's like opening a whole different realm of existence. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, I, I'm looking at my journey now, you know, uh, kind of six days post, post first chemo and going through it, I was just a little bit confused about how someone would willingly do this again. But then being given an opportunity to speak on your radio show, I kind of feel like I would do chemo a hundred times over and I would share my story a million times more if it just meant saving one more person's life. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Incredible. Like incredible. I've, I feel like this has been, I've really been given a gift and it would be a real shame to squander what I've learned in this, in a very short space of time. Well, it is a short space of time because you first felt a lump in your breast. Was it in August? Yes. So, so a tiny little lump. Yes. Tiny Tell us about it. What did it feel like? <laughs> it was. It was a pretty weird experience. So I'm, I'm really good at self-examination, self-care, self-love. Uh, I've been on a, on a journey of that for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And um, I go for regular mammograms and, you know, kind of in between mammograms two or three times, I will check my own breasts. Yeah. And I happened to check them at the end of August. And I felt what felt like to me was a frozen pea just beneath the surface of my skin, very close to my areola. 
And hard. And so when you say frozen pea, it's hard. Mm. Mm-hmm. A hard, a hard little frozen pea. Mm-hmm. And I and what went through your mind? Pea. Sorry, Monique. What what did you think of there and then? Like, I thought it was unusual because in the past, I, I've I actually have discovered my own lumps. Uh, I discovered a lump fifteen months ago. Yeah. And had it diagnosed, and it was benign, thank God. Okay. Um, and this lump felt different. And in my head, I thought, well, this feels different. This is not the usual, you know, the usual suspects, what mm. the usual suspects feel like. Usually it's a, um, in the past, they've been kind of, if I can explain it or describe it, it's like a soft, squishy bean, you know, mm. versus a really hard okay. frozen pea. Okay. And that's important information. It's important. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I gave it a week. I thought perhaps it was, you know, that time of the month or hormonal. And I checked again in a week and lo and behold, it was still there. Uh, subsequent to finding that one, I felt a little bit deeper and actually felt a second lump very close to it. Was there any pain? No real pain associated no real pain. other than, you know, like manhandling your boobs. Yeah. But um, no, no, real, no real pain in the actual lump. Okay. And I diligently made an appointment for the next day. I went to my closest mammogram center uh, to me, which is in Parktown North. They did a mammogram for me and a sonar and over and above um, discovering the two little peas in my left breast, they also discovered one in my right. Oh my goodness. And wow. so we, we scheduled a, a routine biopsy for the next day. You know, I've had these done before yeah. and um, waited for the test results. And this time, they were different. They were different. The results were different. And how, how is that? How does your life shift before you going from pre-diagnosis to post, you know, once you know that what the results are of, of the biopsy? It's, it's quite, um, a lot of time stands still, you know, in mm. that moment and kind of everything you've done flashes before you and everything you want to do flashes before you. And, and a lot of that, you know, a lot of what you want to do and, and achieve in life becomes a question. Can mm. it be done? Am I going to live? Am I going to survive? Am I going to fight? Is this going to kill me? Mm. Um, and I, I kind of took the news. Well, uh, in my heart, I, I knew it was cancer. Um, just purely from, you know, past experiences and, and, and it being so different this time. Um, and there was a level, there was a level of acceptance, you know, okay, cool. All right. I've got cancer. My radiologist kind of looked at me in a, in a, in a little bit of disbelief. I mean, there were, there were a few tears, but mm. my, my attitude was like, okay, I have cancer. Now what? What do I do now? Nikki, let's sort it out. How do we yeah. move forward? Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm a very, I'm a very practical person, so I need, I need, and, you know, I need steps. I mm. need information and I need a plan. Yeah. And once I've got that, I'm a different person. Mm. When I have no control, that's when things kind of deteriorate. Yeah, I hear you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Monique, we're going to take a break. Stay with us. After the break, let's talk about when you had your meeting with your doctor and he told you what kind of treatment, um, was going to, he was going to recommend. So we'll be back in just a moment. Fantastic. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. It's 11 p.m. Karabo is working late, alone, when suddenly...
Hello? Where now? Hmm? Shouldn't you be fixing things? And you call yourself a landlord, no hal. Need better space? Rent office, industrial, or retail space without the drama. Call Redefined Properties. We're not landlords, we're people. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL Link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. Welcome back to the Deal Link Show. Nikki Seberini with you until one o'clock. Um, our warrior this afternoon is Monique Fleming. She's sharing her story of finding a lump in her breast and um, being diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, Monique, just before yes. the break, you were talking about this feeling of acceptance. I just want to rewind just for a little second you, because yes. you said that you were so good with mammograms. Yes. And that you would do the, the, you know, the self-examination. And we talk to doctors and we talk to warriors all the time about early detection. Did your doctor say to you, great, we've got it in time? So, I mean, at that point, we didn't really know. It was, it was hard to tell. We had to do a few, um, a few further tests to, to kind of, Determine what stage the cancer was, what mm-hmm. type of cancer it was, et cetera, et cetera. And in my particular case, it was an extremely frustrating uh, journey because we actually weren't able to diagnose the type and, and stage of cancer until my double mastectomy. Um, so why is that? You know, pardon? Why is that? Well, the the tumors were very, very small. Okay. Uh, which which does lean more towards early detection mm-hmm. uh, and hence, you know, my feeling that early detection, I mean, I, I unequivocally, unequivocally support that, that mm-hmm. early detection saves lives. Right. Um, had I, you know, not been diligent in, in checking and going for mammograms yearly and uh, participating in, in fun runs in my, in my neighborhood where they send vans to check to check breasts and to check for lumps, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder where I would have been uh, had yeah. had I left it undetected. Yeah. Well, I know where I would have been because the type of cancers I had were, and I say cancers in plural because I had two different types, which is also quite um, not not uncommon, but but quite rare. Different in either breast, you were saying? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay, that is so, rare. Mm. Mm. Sorry. No, no, no. Carrie, I, I'm saying that's, that is, that is most unusual. So, so tell me what, what, what did your doctor say to you? What did he recommend with the two different types and what, what did he say in terms of treatment and going forward? So initially the radiologist, uh, he wasn't able to determine that, uh, just from, from the, the, the first biopsy, which is called a, an FNA, which stands for fine needle aspiration. Mm-hmm. It's when they literally, um, insert a very fine needle into the, into the lump. And they, they draw out cells and that, that gets sent to a pathologist to get tested. But in my case, it, it, it wasn't enough. So we landed up doing a core biopsy, which also, um, wasn't sufficient to determine typing and stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, uh, I was introduced to a surgeon, uh, a, a, a surgeon and a plastic surgeon who I met with in between you know, biopsies and waiting for results. And, and together as a team, we work to find the best solution possible for me. Mm-hmm. The last the last piece of the puzzle we needed was a, an MRI, just purely because from the final aspiration, which is the first biopsy, to the second biopsy, which is called a core biopsy, they actually remove physical flesh from the tumors. It was uh, inconclusive. And so the MRI then gave 
all the doctors, all the pathologists, all the radiologists, the, the information they needed in that was actually I had three tumors in my right breast, sure. not just one. Wow. Um, I had two things called calcified clusters, which were early signs of cancer or, or the beginning. And then in my left, I had the two which I had discovered personally. But I actually had three hidden ones sure. in my right breast that were, went completely undetected by touch. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And then? Um, so once, once we had the MRI, um, it was, it was decided that we would proceed with a double mastectomy with, uh, fortunately for me, I, I had, uh, a breast augmentation in my early twenties. So kind of half, half the work was already done for the plastic okay. surgeon. Mm -hmm. And, um, we could do the double mastectomy with reconstruction simultaneously. Can so I that, ask? Can I ask you very quickly? Did so yes. they they highly recommended that a double mastectomy. They didn't want to look at your genes and um, t send it overseas for testing um, to see whether you how you would respond. I've, I've just I've, I've had incredible shows with doctors now talking about looking at the genes and looking at very much the type of the cancer and the history of the patient as to whether um, you know breast um, a, a mastectomy would be the way forward. Was that discussed at all with you? I'm just interested to know, Monique. So, I mean, you know, one of the first questions I was asked all the time is who in your family has breast cancer? Right. And my answer is me. Okay. Me. It began with me. Mm -hmm. So now there's breast cancer in my family mm -hmm. because of me. Mm -hmm. And there was no history. There was, um, and, and for me, you being the kind of person I am, um, I think I would have elected to have a double mistake Regardless, Regardless, okay, of the okay. You wanted the um, you want the peace of mind, I knowing that, right? I, I didn't you. ever want to feel like I was going to give cancer any more attention than it was already getting. Okay, I wanted it out. I wanted it gone. I wanted to be treated, and I wanted to move on with my life. And you know, there's there's a very popular hashtag uh, going around. I won't use the full hashtag on, on live radio because it's a family <laughs> show. But it begins with an F and it ends in cancer. Okay. And right from the beginning, I, I, I refuse to actually use that particular hashtag because for me, I feel like this was an opportunity to wake up. Mm. To wake up. Mm. I don't begrudge cancer. I don't begrudge my tumors. I don't begrudge my mastectomy. I feel like this is happening for me and not to me. <laughs> and, and that has been a huge part of my strength um, and where I'm drawing from and, and the courage I'm finding to you know, push forward and do what needs to get done. Incredible, Monique. Even when you're feeling so weak and so awful from the chemo, <laughs> you still, wow, what a, what a beautiful, wonderful approach and way of seeing it. It's, it's really inspiring. Very Thanks. inspiring. Listen, we're going to take a break. Stay with us. We shall be back. This is Lifelinks with a DL link. Lifelinks is a DL link fundraising initiative. 
Welcome back to the DR Link show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. We have such an illuminating warrior on the show this week, Monique Fleming, who has just recently been diagnosed with breast cancer. She had her first chemotherapy treatment on Friday. The first few hours were just wonderful, as you said, Monique, and then you really got to feel what it's like. When when uh, is your next treatment? My next treatment is scheduled for the 10th of November. Okay. And in my particular uh, case, I have uh, six months' worth of chemo ahead of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have approximately four sessions for the first 12 weeks, and then I have 12 sessions for 12 weeks. Sure. Wow. Okay. So you know that's what's coming up. You've planned for it. And, and, and you're ready for it. You're ready for it. I'm planning on having my head shaved next week. I feel like that's one more thing I can control. Okay. Okay. By taking my own hair rather than letting chemo take it. I've also had my eyebrows tattooed. Oh, good for you. To let chemo (laughs) take those. It will not take your eyebrows. So tell me what made you decide? I mean, not what. Okay. You want to have the power. I understand that. But was it a difficult decision to say, I'm, I'm going to cut my hair off? Not at all. No. Not at all. You know, I just kind of weighed up the two options of sitting in a chair and having, you know, and being able to tell someone how I'd like them to shave my head versus being in the shower and having clumps. And every time. Yeah. And I could just imagine every time the agony, every time there is a handful mm. of mm. hair. Mm. So, you know, your hubby, I mean, I've seen a picture of him and he's really this macho looking guy with this enormous oh. beard. And this, this birthed a, a wonderful business for you because you've just found that there were no good products for men's beards. And so yeah. you brewed some product at home <laughs> and all of a sudden all these gorgeous trendy guys who have got these beards, I'm, I'm Loving the whole new look, um, decided to contact you and also have this balm. So you've you've got this great business, um, yes. and you supporting your husband with his facial hair. You love your facial hair. I'm not sure what your hashtag is, but I remember there was a. I love I love facial hair. That's my hashtag. <laughs> that's, your, that's your hashtag. So so are you able to continue with this entrepreneurial spirit that you have while you um, going through the treatment? I'm so, so blessed in so many assets of my life. Um, so for me, I, you know, we started the business uh, nearly four years ago, and my husband and I have been running it, but it's not just us. I mean, we have a phenomenal, phenomenal infrastructure of, of a few staff members, but enough that are, are strong enough and capable enough to to hold me as well. So I'm not only being held by, you know, family, friends, husbands, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, but um, I'm being held by, by my, my network of staff. Mm. I have the most powerful assistant, Cindy. She's my right-hand woman. <laughs> and um, I, I know that I can rest easy during the, in my down days, knowing that everything is getting done between her and Joe. We have a barber shop in Parkers called Bonafide Barbers too. And I know that those, those guys are just, they're handling stuff mm. because they know I can't. Yeah. Well, again, what a, what an incredible support. Wonderful, wonderful. We're going to call on while you stay there, Monique. And I'd, I'd yes. like to introduce our, our next guest who is, Again, she's in the community. She's working out of Krotoskjur Hospital um, and just helping women who have been diagnosed with breast cancer in the most illuminating way. So, Dr. Liana Root, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. 
You know, I, I have Monique on the show. She's just spoken about a double mastectomy. My warrior last week had a double mastectomy. You, you know, you have conversations. You sit with women and how many women talk about having mastectomies. And this is just becoming an awful reality. And it's just, um, it's something that's happening. But when I, when I talk to these people, they're, they're very, very privileged to have medical aids that support them and that can help them yes. along their journey. And especially when it comes to something like a mastectomy um, Reach for Recovery joined us last week as well and they spoke about raising funds to get these little silicon implants um, mm. not implants they, it's, like, it's an a external prosthesis. that's it it's mm. like a little prosthesis which the, mm. the lady can put in her bra and it feels the same and it looks the same mm. and, because that's for women who cannot afford it and you've kind of mm. combined all of it haven't you um, Dr. Rutt you're well, doing as I said illuminating because please God your light will just shine further and further and, and more and more people will be able to do what you're doing. Please tell our listeners what it is you're doing. Yes, so Nikki, um, well, first of all, I think this is an incredibly important conversation to have. And, you know, I don't think that medical care or health care should have anything to do with your socioeconomic state or should be a privilege. It's a right. Mm. And unfortunately, you know, such a large part of our population is 100% dependent on the public health care sector. And our public health care sector tries at most. um, You know, I I really am not talking from from a point of critique, but it is a severely resource-constrained environment and, you know, there's a lot of pressure. And I think one of the not only women are afraid of the diagnosis of breast cancer, but I think it is so much more terrifying if you don't know how to access a healthcare system. Mm. And if on top of your fear and your worry about the diagnosis, you have worry and fear about treatment. So basically Project Flamingo is my little baby. And when I um, started seeing a lot of breast cancer patients in 2010, and at that point I wasn't a a breast specialist myself, I had to still refer the patients and, um, you know, they would often come back to me saying they, you know, they have to, their operations or their mastectomies is only in two or three or sometimes even four months. On average, it was about 12 weeks. And for me, this was just not only is it not good in terms of your cancer prognosis, but, but on a more human level, it's completely devastating psychologically to walk around with a diagnosis that nobody doing anything about for three months. To the patient, to her family, and, and, you know, so that really is, and kind of witnessing that, bearing witness to that, and really getting frustrated with the situation, and with the help of amazing friends and people that I've, you know, that was really sent, you know, my way, Mm -hmm. um, by grace, um, we, we decided, we started doing what I call catch-up surgeries. So, in essence, and, and uh, the two hospitals in Cape Town that, that we're doing this from have been phenomen- phenomenal in accommodating us. We buy extra theater time by paying for the nursing staff or some theater consumables, and then we are a group of volunteer surgeons, a group of volunteer anesthetists and pathologists that then operate on a Saturday or a public holiday to try and reduce this waiting time. Oh, wow. And we've seen wonderful results at both hospitals. Um, and it's such an easy, such a easy, a model, easy model to replicate. So I really hope that there's other people listening that's willing to do this elsewhere in the country as well. Like oh, that would be call us and we can help. <gasps> well, then set it up. Mm, let's hope they're listening. Know, yes, because it's like you know, it's a lot of people say uh, it's not 
you know, it's it's the responsibility of government or responsibility of whoever to sort out the public health care system. I think it's all of our responsibilities. You know, it's um, if there's creative solutions available out there, we just need to really tap into it. And uh, and Project Flamingo is a really simple solution. Um, we are absolutely dependent on the goodness of people and, you know, funds, funds as well as volunteers, people volunteering their time and their skill. But it's doable and it makes a huge difference. So, so let's just, so you and a whole lot of other surgeons volunteer your mm. time. You go, you don't charge yes. for the surgery. You pay no. though, you pay the hospital mm. for the, the theater and for the nurses. Yes. Um, yes. and you do yes. it at times, hopefully where it's, as you said, not as expensive public holidays or, or whatever. I mean, does yes. it affect, do you get a better price for that? So, so the hospital has been absolutely amazing um, in accommodating our patients, so so they don't charge any additional fee for that. And we use the, the time when we operate is times when those theatres would have would have been empty. Hmm. So we're not tapping into, you know, we're not uh, what, what's the word stealing already threatened theatre time. You know, on a Saturday there's only four or five theatres functioning in a hospital again because of resources. So and there's a lot of theatres standing empty which is exactly why we decided to utilize those resources that's standing there unutilized over a weekend or a public holiday. Um, so, yes, so the, our biggest expense is, is the nursing staff and mm. then some of the consumables. And then there's a small fee that still goes to the patient um, just for us to remain sustainable. But in the government sector, there's a billing system called the H123 system. So patients are essentially billed according to their income. And it's very often like a really minimal fee, but they have to, that goes towards their admission in the hospital. And that still goes to the patient. But as far as the surgery is concerned, that we take care of. So, Dr. Root, how do you hear of these patients, or how do these hear, patients hear of you? So, so there's so some one of the prerequisites for for that I said from the beginning for a patient to be helped by Project Flamingo is that they need to be within a within the system, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. Yeah. Because the treatment of breast cancer, as I'm sure you've heard from all your survivors, is it's always a team sport. Mm-hmm. It's not just the surgery. It is imperative that those patients go on to see an oncologist, maybe get chemotherapy, maybe get um, endocrine therapy or radiotherapy. So what we basically do is um, I I work on a consultant basis at Hurtiski Hospital. So within the Hurtiski system, these patients get identified and literally what we do is keep it as fair as possible. There's the usual list and then when we see the waiting time gets too much, we slot in a flamingo list and the next five or six patients just that comes through the system simply falls on that list. And then we go on with the normal list and then we slot in another, you know, okay. flamingo list. Mm-hmm. And the same at Tigerberg. So this this keeps the process fair and this ensures that the patient is in a system that yeah. can take care of them when we're done with them, mm-hmm. you know, so that, mm-hmm. you know, they can get the complete treatment. Right. So the, so when when you're having this uh, mastectomy, mm-hmm. um, is there a period of waiting? Is there one operation and then reconstruction mm-hmm. thereafter? Or mm-hmm. is it, do you do it all in one, one, one surgery? So it's, 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 you know, there's really not one, one size fits all with breast cancer. There's, Every patient needs to be individualized. For right, some right. patients, immediate reconstruction is absolutely an option. And for other patients, it, it really is better to rather do a delayed procedure 
um, you know, once once the rest of the treatment is complete. So we, we individualize it. Um, for the project Flamingo List, because reconstruction is incredibly time-consuming, mm-hmm. we would often say that we'll only do that for one or two patients that, you know, that is absolutely appropriate okay. and would rather spend the time trying to get more cancer surgeries done and perhaps offer delayed reconstruction, you know, just to be time-wise and yeah. money-wise. But yeah. reconstruction is incredibly important, I think, for the healing and the psyche of the patient. Um, when you do it, there's various options, and it, and it really is a very individualized choice. Mm-hmm. Dr. Root, how many of these catch-up surgeries have you performed so far? When did you say you started? So we started in 2010, Already, wow. so it's been going for quite Gee, some time, mm-hmm. and we've obviously been doing it far more regularly over the last few years. So I don't have the exact number on okay, you right so now, but we can work out. We can, you know, if we, we've, we've for the last three years at least, we've done every single month. We've helped at least at least six, some months up to twelve patients Jesus. per month. Wow! So yeah, so it's it literally it's hundreds of women that's been helped with the through the program with the surgeries. And then the other thing that we do is, is handing out what we call little cancer packs to all the newly diagnosed breast cancer patients at at Hortiskew Hospital um, and at Tigerberg Hospital. Um, so those packs contain little bathroom essentials and little treats just to remind the woman that they are still women. Mm. Mm, yes. You've thought of everything, and I'm really hoping yes. that, uh, you know, I mean, for all I know, something similar could be happening in Joburg, but I, I, I am hoping that the right people are listening to you right now. Because to be able to perform so many surgeries on women, you know, surgeons volunteering is just, it's, it's incredible. So I thank you oh, so thank much. You I thank for the work that you're doing, for the women that you're helping and getting your message out there and for telling us about it and hopefully inspiring the right people here and now, um, and maybe triggering something in, in our province thank of Gauteng. You thank, never know. Thank you. So much for sharing our story, yes. And you know, if there's somebody out there, then please contact us so that we can help them set it up and send them our recipe. So, because I think it's, it's very needed. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Dr. Ruth, thank you and thank you for your time okay. and continue with the, the wonderful work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Thank you and you too. Bye bye. So, you know, if you are listening and you know someone and I don't know, you want to start something, contact us directly, please. We'll put you in touch with Dr. Liana Ruth. She sounds so generous with her knowledge, uh, her information, what she does. A lovely, lovely woman. Um, it's 25 minutes to one o'clock. Let's take a break and then we'll welcome back our warrior because we have a new guest who is going to be joining us and we're going to be talking about mammograms. We're going to be talking about early detection, how it's important, why it's important. Monique was talking about the importance of early detection and maybe you've got questions regarding mammograms. Um, we're very happy to take your calls. So let's take a break. We'll be back in a few minutes. This is LifeLinks with a DL link. If you are in business and you would like to support the DL link, consider advertising or sponsoring the show. Welcome back. 24 minutes to 1 o'clock, 101.9 High FM. DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. Monique, you're still there. 
I'm here. Wonderful. I hope you've got a cup of something delicious to drink while you're listening to all of the dif- different uh, bits of expert advice. Um, our next guest is going to be sharing that as well. But what, do you, what are your thoughts on Dr. Liana Root and what she's doing? You know, it's incredible that you don't really think past your nose sometimes when you're in a situation. And it, it's never really dawned on me that there, there are thousands of women out there who, who don't have um, the kind of access to health care and medical care um, that someone in my position does. Exactly. And I really and truly hope that, you know, we can spread this message mm. and, and start getting this done in Gauteng. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's a phenomenal individual yeah. and... I'm praying that the right people hear this message. Me too. It's all connections, connections, connections. So our next connection is um, Dr. Peter Schaub. Schub. Sorry, Dr. That's okay. I mean, how can I mispronounce your surname <laughs> like that? Schub. Um, um, and he is with the Radiological Society of South Africa and its subspeciality group, which is the Breast Imaging Society of South Africa. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Very, very important. We spoke about, I mean, especially with breast cancer awareness, early detection is key. Is a mammogram the way to go in terms of early detection? Absolutely. Um, I think it, you know, exactly as you said, early detection um, is clearly linked to long-term survival. Mm-hmm. And it really is about finding those cancers as early and when they are as small as possible and the only test that has been proven to do that is mammography. And that's over many, many years. Unfortunately, in the last few years, mammography has got a little bit of a bad name. But the reality is that, again, all of the evidence confirms that mammograms save lives. And um, ideally, it should be done every single year from the age of 40. We don't have a cut Every off single age. year? Every single okay. year. Okay. Now, this is, uh, you know, a point of contention. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Oh, I know where you're going with this. I know. <laughs> Should I sure. just go outside and you continue? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's a big conversation piece yes. and has been for a number of years. Um, unfortunately, uh, in the last year or so, most of the main medical aids in South Africa have decided to uh, save some money and not pay for mammograms every year, which I think is a, is a really tragic decision. Um, they are following the example set in some European countries in the UK where it's every second or every third year, and again, purely for financial reasons. Um, the evidence is clear. Annual mammograms save lives. That's particularly important in the, uh, in the younger patients where you have more aggressive cancers and dense breast tissue. Um, I heard in a younger person they don't work as well. You don't see as clearly. So to a large extent that is true and that's because younger patients tend to have denser tissue. Mm-hmm. Mammograms are not perfect and unfortunately they don't always penetrate those thick tissues. Um, but again, it's still the only proven test to pick up those cancers routinely. The other thing is um, certainly at our practice and at most practices in South Africa, we combine it with an ultrasound exam. And the ultrasound okay. is not limited by that dense tissue. It supplements the uh, mammogram, and together they have a very, very high sensitivity. They pick up almost all cancers. Okay, for the layman, let's break yes. it down a little bit. What's the difference between a mammogram and an ultrasound? Right, so and I just want to actually say that if any of you have a question for Dr. Shub, you can SMS us on 34519 or call us on O. 
The difference. Right. So a mammogram is basically an Mm x-ray. It's an x-ray of the breast. Uh, We use a special x-ray machine that focuses on the breast. Unfortunately, it does have to compress compress the breast a Mm -hmm. little bit, although Mm -hmm. I promise you it's not as much as it used to be. Um, So that's what an x-ray is. And there's radiation because it's an x-ray. There's radiation because it's an x-ray. We take two views of each breast. These days it's all digital, mm-hmm. and the newer machines are 3D machines, right. which is really now the gold standard. Uh, and very importantly is that we compare the old and the new. We put them up and we compare the old mammograms and the new, and it's a very, very accurate way to pick up cancers and to pick up what they call sleeping cancers. Um, right, an ultrasound, uh, it's, a, it's the same machine that they use to look at pregnant women and babies, um, but we use it to look at the breast and it uses ultrasound waves uh, to create a picture on a computer. And, um, again, it's, it's very good at penetrating the thick or dense tissue. And by combining these two very different tests, we're able to very accurately say, is there a problem? What type of problem doesn't need further investigation like a biopsy? With the ultrasound, there is no radiation at There's all? There's no radiation, radiation at all with an okay. ultrasound. So for, well, what about people, and I know you're saying be absolutely sure, therefore combine the two. What about yes. those who don't want the radiation and just go for the ultrasound? Not good yeah. enough. So the problem with that, and we certainly are seeing a lot more of that, like I said, unfortunately there is a bit of a stigma attached to mammography mm-hmm. and the radiation. Um, the problem with that is... Ultrasounds, as good as they are, um, can't pick up everything that a mammogram can. So mammograms, like I mentioned, uh, sleeping cancer or a, a, a carcinoma in situ or D, a DCIS as it's called, those are most commonly picked up on mammograms uh, when we see microcalcifications. A microcalcification is a tiny speck of calcium. It's like powder spread within the mammogram. Mm-hmm. And that's the earliest sign of a sleeping cancer. Mammogram is the only test that picks it up, nothing Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. There's a couple of other things which very subtle things that we only see on mammogram. And the other big advantage, like I said, is that we can compare the old and the new. We can't really do that with any other test. Oh, I see. So personally, I don't think that it is uh, in the patient's best interest to skip a mammogram. So what they're saying now is that, and when I say the they, the big they, is that look at your family history. If there is a history of breast cancer, then absolutely go every year for a mammogram. But if there is no history of breast cancer, you don't need to go. Now, our warrior... Monique, who was diagnosed just a couple of months ago and with a, a, quite a few lumps in her breast, and she went regularly, there has been no um, history. And she goes for regular mammograms. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. alluding to, really. Um, you know, and it wasn't picked up on a mammogram yeah. because that's how obviously, you yeah. know, so the surprise a, it was. So there's a few things. Uh, the first thing is as good as mammogram and even mammogram plus ultrasound are, and I can say to you that they'll pick up 95% of cancers. There's 5% that they won't. won't yeah. That's, num- that's no- no- number one. Number two is that some cancers will grow within a space of months. It's unfortunate. They're rare, but there are some very fast-growing cancers. Those will be missed in between your mammograms. <laughs> then the last thing to say, and this is really, really important, 
Um, we all hear about family history and how important it is. Yeah. The reality is that 80% of breast cancer patients have no family history at all. Really? Absolutely. Just what's that statistic again? 80% plus. 80% plus. Yeah. Have no history whatsoever of, mam- of breast cancer. They have no risk factors. You know, we speak about risk factors. Uh, they have none of those. They're generally healthy patients. You mean They're like smoking or drinking? Smoking, or obesity, obese. drinking, not right. having had kids, hormones. All of these things are minor risk factors. vast majority of patients have none of those. So that's the mm. problem with saying that we're going to do risk-based screening. We will miss the majority of cancers. So that's why we encourage all patients, whether you have it in your family or not. Or not. And even if you have the uh, uh, BRCA genetic mutations, mm-hmm. you still might not have a history in your, fa- in your family. You might be the first. Well, Monique was saying, I'm, I'm the first Absolutely, um, and that's the vast that majority of patients. <laughs> that was you, Monique, that's you're the first. That's of yeah, patients. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, you, you spoke about the age of 40 going for mammograms, yes. and you also do the ultrasound yes. once a year. So someone's just SMSed and said, I'm 29 years old, because we're seeing younger and younger women being diagnosed with breast cancer. She says, is an ultrasound enough at 29? Yeah, so um, as a general rule, we don't do mammograms younger than 35. Um, just to be extra cautious that if there is radiation, and especially in younger patients, we don't want to subject them. And also because we said that mammograms are not as effective in younger patients. So younger than 35, we tend not to do it as a routine. And then we only do ultrasounds. Important to add in is that patients who are high risk, now, high risk might be someone who has a strong family history or they have a, a genetic predisposition. Those patients should have additional testing, and that additional test is breast MRI. And I think Monique mentioned that, um, that yeah. she had that as part of her cancer staging. Yeah. But we also do it, and this is an international thing, um, high risk patients, anyone who has a more, more than one in five chance of breast cancer should have an MRI every single year because it is the most accurate test to pick up breast cancer, and that can be done at any age. Okay. So 29, yes, ultrasound. Ultrasound. Okay, thank you. And if you have any more questions um, for Dr. Shub, again, SMS us 34519, or you can call us 010-140-3020. I have to ask the question, in terms of the radiation, mm-hmm. You know, we're looking at advancements in technology, sure. and obviously you're trying to reduce it as much as possible. How bad is it? I go to the dentist every six months, and he x-rays my mouth. Um, now I'm going to go for a sure. mammogram once a year, and you're going to x-ray my breasts. What kind of, besides the technology we have and the radiation with the technology, what kind of exposure okay. is there? So there's, there's a couple of things. Um, one is that the exposure is extremely small. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, a, it's about the same as an ordinary chest x-ray. It's also about the same amount of radiation that we're all exposed to living in Johannesburg for the period of a year. Um, so it's really a very small radiation okay. dose. Mammograms have been done for the last 40 years, literally tens of millions of women with huge studies done. There has never been a single case of breast cancer attributed to mammography. 
And that's very important. How would important. they attribute a breast cancer to mammography? Well, it would be very difficult. And that's why it's a theoretical risk. And they've worked out that the theoretical risk of getting a cancer from mammography is about 1 in 90,000. Now, when you consider that your risk of getting a breast cancer is, is 1, one in? in 8, yeah. you really have to weigh up what your risks are. Mm. And um, we certainly, we see, in fact, statistically speaking, we'll, we're more likely to see a breast cancer at the first mammogram rather than someone who's had 30. So to me, um, there's absolutely no question whatsoever. Okay. So one other thing to say, because yes. I know that some people are worried about their thyroids and so on, okay. the, ra- the radiation from mammograms. The radiation is directed at the breasts. Almost nothing gets past that. So really, the radiation is is not a reason not to have mammograms. Okay. And that is your very strong message today, Dr. That Hugh. is my very, you very strong go. message. You must go, 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 go. It is Breast go. Cancer Month. We need to be aware. And to be aware and also to realize that ideally you should do this every year. Okay. We are, I would say that a third of our cancers are being caught within the period between mammograms. Missing that year is really not ideal. And um, so if you can do it every year, fantastic. Dr. Sheep, thank you. Thank you for coming onto the show. Thank you for having me. I'd certainly learned a lot. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with you, Monique, and then we're going to chat with our DL Link angels. So don't go anywhere. This is LifeLinks with a DL Link. LifeLinks is a DL Link fundraising initiative. Welcome back to the DL Link show. And Dr. Shub is just giving me very important information. In fact, so I've just said goodbye to you and I'm welcoming you straight back, Dr. Shub, because you were saying that you operate um, out of the Park Lane Mammography Center and that's opposite the Park Lane. That's right. We're but you said, which I think is very important, people wanting more information. Yes. So um, we've got a website, mammogram.co.za, mm-hmm. very easy to remember. Mm-hmm. And we have tried to answer all the questions that you might have about mammograms and breast cancer. And uh, if you have any more questions, please uh, email us. Um, there is a contact page there. And uh, please contact us should you want a mammogram, ultrasound, or have or need any information. Mammogram.co.za. Incidentally, it. with the combination of the mammogram and the ultrasound, does it make it a hell of a lot more expensive? No. Uh, it's one fixed tariff. One fixed tariff. Whether you have the ultrasound. In fact, whether you have a 3D mammogram, an ultrasound makes no difference. It's one fixed tariff. Um, it's uh, usually covered by medical aid unless it's in that intervening year. Uh, big discount in that year at most practices. But it's one tariff. Fabulous. Thank you, Dr. Shub. Absolute pleasure. Thanks Mammogram. For dot, thank you for, for joining us. Mammogram.co.za. Um, Monique, stay with us. Don't go yeah. anywhere. I no, have, uh, right <laughs> fabulous. You can stay. Um, I have, uh, Desiree Brayton, um, on the line and Desiree's husband, Norman, is a patient of the DL Link. Um, and we have her on the line. She is our DL Link angel, um, to share her story and her experience with the DL Link. Desiree, welcome. Thanks for coming on to the show. Are you there, Desiree? Yes, I am. Hello, hello, Desiree. And I believe Norman turned 60 recently. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Now, your family were away, 
And, you know, the DL link just fill all the gaps and they just hold people in such a beautiful and caring way. And they didn't want Norman's 60th birthday party to pass unnoticed. Tell us what they did. It was absolutely wonderful because I was away visiting my daughter in America. And um, I said anything to him. They fetched him like they always do on a Tuesday mm-hmm. um, where Annette gives him a treatment. And he walked in the room. Desiree? That's not a good line at all. Okay, we'll we'll try Desiree again. Um, Desiree was just talking about Norman, her husband, um, who is with the DL Link. He's a patient, um, and the DL Link fetch him every Tuesday, and uh, it was his 60th birthday with no family around, and we're going to hear about what the DL Link did for him, which sounds great. I'm looking forward to that. But back to you, Monique. How mm. are you feeling listening to the doctors and, you know, especially when you're so immersed in it you know you're not just a person listening to a a doctor talk about going for a mammogram just for early detection you're in it you've been there you're now on this journey how how does that feel for you well i wish you could see me because i'm nodding my head and i'm smiling and i'm nodding my head (laughs) i'm smiling here all by myself Mm -hmm. um because i totally agree you know for me my cancers were stage one and stage two and you know that was within a 15 month period of between between mammograms and you know i know i know we have so much going on in a year and we can only dedicate one month a year to breast cancer awareness but breast cancer doesn't just wait to happen once a year mm. you know it's happening all the time all mm. the time mm. and it's so important to be aware of 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 yourself of your breasts of what's available to you um and what you can do to you know, to, to prevent, um, from it becoming a stage two, three, or God forbid, a stage four cancer. Mm. You were saying that you were very good with your mammograms. Was it once a year? I mean, you talk about a 15 month break, but generally you would go every year for a mammogram. Generally it was, it was a 12, 13 month at the most. It just happened this time, you know, a little bit of time passed and, and it became 15 months, but yeah, yeah. But I'm 43. So I was about to say, do you mind me asking how old? No. So you're young. You're young, Monique. Yeah, I'm 43. I have a seven-year-old son. I have my whole life ahead of me. And I, mm. I promised him that I'm going to annoy him way into my 80s and that he needs to prepare himself <laughs> because I'm on this journey and it's and it's a journey to live. It's a journey to live. And it's a journey to save other lives where I can. I'm not sure how yet or where or when, but as I said, you know, if, if it means having to go through chemo a hundred more times to save one more life, it's what I'm willing to do. Mm. How have you explained it to your seven-year-old son? Well, I've been very open with him. I've kept the information simple. Mm-hmm. And I think when dealing with children, it's important to remember that they're not stupid. They pick up on energies, right. vibes, you know, and if you're not giving them the full information, they know. And so my husband and I um, were very, very transparent in terms of what was happening. And we were very clear with the information. Uh, he's actually my son from a previous marriage. And I have a really good relationship with my ex-husband too. He's an amazing father and a really good ex-husband, fortunately. Mm-hmm. And so between the three of us and and my husband's partner my ex-husband's partner I beg your pardon um you know we we were there for him in terms of keeping the lines of communication open mommy has bad cells in her boobs mm-hmm. that, that's the simple terminology we I use. love that bad, I, bad cells sick. in her boobs <laughs> yeah yeah I'm not, I'm not sick 
I have bad cells. They need to be cut out. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that stage, we weren't sure if I was going to have the reconstruction or not. So, you know, we were open with him. Mommy might have boobs when she comes out. She might not. She might have nipples. She might not. And kind of just very simply kept him in the loop. With When it comes to chemo, I explained to him that I'm going to have Mooty, and this Mooty is going to happen every three weeks. And when I have this Mooty, I'm going to feel really bleh. Mm. Again, I'm not going to be sick. Mm. Mommy's not sick. Mommy's just feeling unwell. Mm. And this Mooty makes me tired, and this Mooty makes me vomit a lot. Mm. But look at me now. It's six days down the line. Mommy's taking you to school. I'm fetching you this afternoon. And life is back to normal, in inverted commas. And that everything I'm doing, regardless of how it's making me feel, it's for the best. Mm. And it's so that I can have a long and happy life and irritate you way into my life. <laughs> I want to be that for you know? <laughs> Monique, I've, I've so loved you having you on the show. I've so loved listening to your approach, your attitude with everything, every step of the way, and especially with how you've handled it with your son, incredibly inspiring. And I'd love to be able to catch up again um, after you finish the chemo and just to see how you are and see how you're doing. And for those, yeah, (laughs) but I'm going to do, I'm going to speak to Lee. And for those who have been listening, I think you've been an absolute inspiration. Thank you, Monique. Monique Fleming, it's been a, a true pleasure having you on the show. I'd just like to mention one thing. Please. The, the company that, actually tattooed my eyebrows are, are holding a convention on Monday yes. and they're doing free eyebrow and areola tattoos oh, for wow. all chemo patients and breast cancer patients. Where? Uh, so the company is called Nouveau Contour. They have a Facebook page yeah. and they're offering the whole of Monday free eyebrow tattoos and areola tattoos. If, if they'd like more information, um, Nouveau is spelt... Gosh, I'm, we're running out of time. I'm sorry. N O U V E A U. Yeah. Contra, mm-hmm. South Africa. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and Thank you for that. Free tattooing, free tattooing on Monday. Eyebrow and areola tattoos. Outstanding. Thank you, Monique. Thank yes. you so much. And God You're bless. Take welcome. care. Thank Look you after so yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, Monique, I don't know if he's going to be listening, but uh, Mike Lubo just said, Monique, amazing attitude and strength. You should go from strength to strength. Agreed, Mike. Please, God. Very quickly, Desiree, sorry about that. We lost you. Tell us what happened on that special Tuesday of your husband's birthday. Birthday, okay. He um he came to his to a met who usually does a treatment every Tuesday. And as he walked in, the D L Link family were waiting there with um drinks and cakes, and they were all singing Happy Birthday to him, oh. which I thought was unbelievable because it made him feel so special. Unbelievable, and that's what they do. They go that beyond. Is what they do. They go beyond. Desiree, thank you for sharing that with us. Happy birthday to Norman. Great health to you and your hubby and uh, lovely thank to have you. you on the show. Go well. Only a pleasure. Thank you so thank much. Thank you and bye-bye. Bye. You know, we run out of time so quickly. I don't know where it goes. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. It has been wonderful. Looking forward to being with you next week. Johnny. Clegg I'm interviewing. Can't wait. Um, take care. From Iniki Seberini until next week. Goodbye.